Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. We are going to Luke 24, 41 through uh, 48. Ro, uh, Ro used this Bible, so it's not where I left it at. We're going to read off the laptop. Uh, and and what, this is, uh, Jesus has already, he already came down. He, he already died on the cross. He's already resurrected. He's visiting his disciples. This is right where this scene takes place. And <clears throat> so while they, the they here is his disciples, still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses. Can you guys just repeat really quickly with me? Everything must be fulfilled. Thank you, thank you. And, And in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I want to discuss um, an idea or, or, or I guess, a topic today. Uh, My message entitled is, Maybe This is What He Came For. Maybe this is what he came for. You see, when I read this scripture, and and before actually I I even read this scripture, if you would ask me, well, why did Jesus come? I'd say, oh, that's easy. He came to just to die for us, to restore humanity. But when you read this scripture, it's very it's very clear that, that it's not just a one-part purpose. He came to do what he could do. Uh, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. But then there's a call for us because repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. And in the same way that uh, if you separate an Oreo cookie, it's just not the same. I feel like if you separate uh, the two They're not his purpose. His purpose was to equip us, but also so that we can go now. His purpose was to redeem us, but also so now we can spread that message uh, about the redemption that is available. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, maybe, call me crazy, but maybe this is what he came for. To die on the cross, to redeem us, but then enable us to spread that message. Amen? Can you guys just bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, I... I thank you that I get to do this. I, I thank you that as, as far as I once was, you, you brought me here. I thank you that you have a people here that are ready to hear your word. And I ask that this word is not just a good word, but a word that sticks with us. A word that we think about. A word that we recall weeks and months later when we have the opportunity to fulfill scripture, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. I, uh, I love my family. I think I could not have been born into a better family. 
Not, not that like my family's better than your family, trust me, <laughs> we're not. Uh, but <laughs> I, I love the family that I was born into. I love so many things about my family. I love the things that we're good at. Like we're all good at different things. My mother, hi ma, I see you. <laughs> my mother uh, came to this country not knowing English and today she's a retired teacher. She has her master's degree. Give it up for my beautiful mother. She gave birth to four boys. Uh, my oldest brother, oh man, my oldest brother, he is the only guy in this family that can fix something without having to go to YouTube first. Uh, if, if ever the apocalypse happened, like if it happened tomorrow, if North Korea decided to send those missiles, we're all at his house. He's the new leader uh, of this world. Uh, my brother, Rolando, is an amazing pastor. He pastors this wonderful church. And uh, my brother, Rodolfo, you're loved, man. You're loved. My brother Rodolfo is a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. And bear with me, I know that doesn't sound tough, trust me, I've tried it, I've been like, my brother's a purple belt. Uh, but it's like actually high up there, like he's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. And I, Ruben Jose Remedios, I'm the genius of the family. I'm joking, I'm not, I used to actually help them all with their homework. Uh, I love my family, but what I love more though, uh, I love how good at stuff we are, but I love how not good at stuff we are, you know, like, you could make a statistic out of my family. You could look at my family and go, oh, three out of four Hispanic males who grow up in a single-parent household will not complete high school. It's true. I'm the, I'm the only one who completed high school. And somehow, Rolando's the favorite. I don't know how that happened. It's okay. I had to choose between being the favorite or the best-looking. You take what you can get, right? Uh, uh, you can make statistics from my family. We're not good at certain things. We're terrible at holidays. I hate small talk because of that. People are always like, hey, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? I don't know yet. I don't even know if I'm going to see my family. I'm 23 years old. We have a two-year-old Christmas tradition that Lisa started. We're not good at holidays. <laughs> we're not good. Something we're not, we're not good at either is uh, secret. We're good secret keepers, but like the cons, like secret ting. Secreting, whatever that is, we're not good at it. So like, in a normal family, this is what a secret would look like. At least I, I, I hope, I imagine. Hey, I have a secret. Hey, what's your secret? It's this. Okay, cool. And then they don't talk about it because it's a secret. But in my family, I'll be in my room watching Netflix, not chilling by myself, you know, just hanging out. And Raul, stay holy, Raul come in. Yo, Ruben. Yo, Ruben, Ruben, get over here, get over here. And he'll just like grab me by my neck, just come, come. We gotta go. Like we can't be in my room for whatever reason because there's hidden cameras and the government is listening to us. This guy turns into Edward Snowden. We're going, and like we'll go from like my room to the living room, but what it feels like is we've just entered the matrix. I just swallowed the red pill. It, what it feels like is we're mission, mission Impossible, I just became an agent, and we're like going through like laser beams. I'm, I'm blindfolded, there's like smoke grenades going off for whatever reason. We teleport, and like we're in the living room, but there's like this vault that we gotta go through because that's where Raul keeps all his secrets, and he's turning it. And then like he has to put his password in, the password is, please enter your password. It's the like the silliest, because we're terrible at secrets. It's the idea of security. It's his name backwards. He's like, Lord. And then we're just in my living room. 
none of that happened. We just walked down some steps, but this is the intensity of what secret telling feels like in my family. And the secret will be something like, yo, Rue, promise me you're not going to tell anybody, man. I, I don't want anybody asking me for money. Nobody asks you for money, but I just, shh, listen, man, I got a new job. And that's the secret in my family. He got a new um, job. And then the thing is, that's cool. It's weird, but then he'll go to Rolando. <laughs> yeah. Yo, where's Lisa? She's not here. Okay, come on. Do -do -do. Luar. Yo, I got a new job. Same, same thing. And then he'll go to Rodolfo. Luar. And then he's telling his, I got a job secret. What's worse is the persons that we're supposed to be keeping the secret from is each other. And then it'll be like our one family gathering that we actually planned correctly this time. And we're all together in the living room, not making eye contact. Raul will come up, we change the topic because we're trying to keep this secret. We've been sworn to secrecy. We're going to the grave with this secret. And Raul will walk in casually and with just like no regard, no like, just disrespectfully. He'll just be like, yo, this new job I got, guys, in front of us. Like, bro, we're trying to keep your secret. He, and this is, we, we all do it. At this point in the time, I'll tell Ro, like, yo, I got, a, I got a secret. He'll be like, is this a secret secret or is this a remedio secret? And I'll be like, <laughs> it's a remedio secret. I was texting for while I was going to tell you. This is what my family does. And, and I think where we go wrong with secret, secreting, that's a new word, I invented it, <clears throat> is we keep things that shouldn't really be a secret a secret, like Raul got a new job. I just, my newest, the newest addition to our family, my, my cute nephew was born a couple, uh, I think last year, and uh, that was a secret. <laughs> we didn't talk about it till the baby shower. <laughs> he can relate, he's in the family. This is what we do. We, we, we keep things that ought not really be secrets, secrets. And, and the reason I share this is, I think as Christians, I've been there. I think society comes into play, and I think life happens. And without realizing it, the gospel, this, this good news, just turns into a good secret. I've been there. I kid you not, I was once... Uh, working, and I saw the lady uh, had a Bible, and uh, I was like, ooh, this is cool. I could talk to her about Jesus now. She's in the secret club for whatever reason. But then I read the Bible, and my Spanish is not good, so I saw it said Santa Biblia, and so in the Rubin translation, that means, you guys are going to laugh at me. Don't judge me. It means Saint Bible. To Rubin, it means Saint Bible, but that's not what it means. It means Holy Bible. I saw it said Santa Biblia, and I was like, oh, she's Catholic. I can't talk to her about Jesus anymore. But that's what I did, it, it, and I think this happens. Society comes in, and, and so because she believed differently than me, when if she, if she doesn't believe in Jesus, that, that should be more of the initiative to talk about Jesus, right? Thank you. And I think life happens, and, and society calls us over and goes, hey, hey, you can't share Jesus with people. Life comes over and calls us over and goes, hey, man, it's way too inconvenient but it's clear when we read Luke that there is this call 
for us to share this thing that should be worn on our sleeves. We, we need to wear it on our sleeves, this, this, this need to share the gospel. I, I want to be clear. My goal at the end of today is not to have you guys run into the streets and yell at people, Jesus loves you. That's not, that's not the goal today. The goal really is, is to equip us and strengthen us because the reality is when I look at Christ Uncensored, man, I am blown away at the fact that how good we share this message. You guys, man, I, I'm pretty sure the majority of this church is here as, as the result of an invitation. I love the fact that somebody that I consider to be a sister is actually Jenny's cousin. Somebody that I consider to be my best friend is actually, has actually been Mei Ling's best friend since they were children. I love that we share this message. I love that people who Rolando once called co-workers, people who Frank calls colleagues, are people who I call a family because this church has shared this message. Give yourselves a round of applause. Give God a round of applause at what he has been doing through you. My hope is that we will leave here knowing that we are called to spread this message, that we will see people who are broken and know that we can give them an answer. We, we don't have to get on a megaphone and yell it out, but we can simply place an arm around our colleagues and tell them of Jesus' works. And speaking of his works, his part, what exactly was his part, Reuben? I'm glad you asked. If we can turn to 1 Peter 18 to 20, it says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. The fact is Jesus redeemed us from an empty way of life that the writer says it. It was just handed down to us. You kind of just walked into life and it hit you. In Galatians, we're going to fast forward a couple verses. Uh, it says, when we were minors, we were just slaves ordered around by by simple instructions. In, in verse 4 through 7, it says, But when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his Son, born among us of a woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that he might redeem those of us who have been kidnapped by the law. Thus, we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. Say that with me. Our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you are the... The, now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son crying out, Papa, Father. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave but a child? And if you are a child but also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. What Jesus did, his part, the suffering and rising again on the third day, what it did is it gave us access to an inheritance. It gave us access to God. We, we are no longer slaves. We're no longer uh, uh, dealing with life and the conditions that we are born into. No, we have access. We are children of God. If it is your first time here, if it is this the, the first time that you hear about Jesus, if this is all that you get from this message, please listen. You don't have to go through life wondering and fumbling and, 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 and those, those moments 
Have you ever had those moments? I've had those moments. I remember before I was a Christian having those, my good just doesn't feel good enough moments. Why am I here? But when Christ comes into your life, there is a, full, a fullness, a fullness. The, the promise of Jesus is not a great life, a good life. It's simply a better life that no matter where you are, what happens, what situation is around you, if you have Jesus, you are good. You have this peace that suppresses all understanding. That is his work. That was his part. And I love that once we enter into this journey, once we, we, we proclaim Jesus, we get to do something too. That Jesus gave us the opportunity to fulfill Scripture by preaching to all nations. You see, in Romans 10, 10 to 15, it says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jews and Gentiles. We're going to fast forward uh, to 14. How then can they call on the, on, the, on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Can I, can I give you guys a point to write down if you're taking notes? I was told if you take notes, uh, you get an extra special house in heaven. Uh, my point is, <laughs> they believe it. That's cool. <laughs> Jesus saves and sends. We seek and spread. See, see, there's this cycle that we can see in the Bible and we can kind of see throughout history when you study Christian history. Uh, uh, Jesus came here. He sought people. He spread this message. He saved people and he sent. And then the, the, he sent the disciples. And then they sought people. They spread the message. Jesus came in. He saved, and he sent those people, and, and those people sought people. They saved people. And, I mean, Jesus saved those people, and then Jesus sent those all the way until us. I, I think I would, I would make the, the, the assumption that there's not a person sitting here today that, that wasn't, that the gospel wasn't shared to, that the reason you are here is because someone told you about Jesus I know that's how I got here. That's what happens when your brother's a pastor. <laughs> there were people around me who even when I said I was an atheist, they were still there. I'm actually, uh, my pursuit, my real like, all right, God, fine, I'm just going to do it. It comes as a result of a conversation with a friend, a, a, a push to pursue Jesus. I, I, I remember a time right before I became atheist where I was like on the fence I was at a church conference, and, and I was in, in this, like, numb state, just not feeling anything. I used to despise worship music. And someone pulled me out. Someone recognized their, their, their duty, uh, their, their responsibility to share Jesus with me. And they, they called me over, and they said, hey, man, I got to pray for you because you just look numb. And the, they were ex I know that they were experiencing something there, and they were looking at me saying, how can they not be experiencing this? I know this because I've been to this church event now, years later, after being a Christian, and what I feel there is so powerful. And I think back sometimes, like, how could I have been? there and thought there was no God. But somebody answered this call. And, and the sad truth is, like, 
I didn't even receive their prayer. I was just like, go ahead, man, do your thing, whatever, if it'll make you feel better. But I'm utterly convinced that there was, there was a seed planted that day. <sighs> you see, when you share this, it's cool because you might not even reap the seed that you're planting someone else. See, he shared that over my life. He spoke something over my life, and I'm convinced that God did something. And then people came, and they took this good news, and they said, yo, Ru, and they shared it with me. And people came, and what they were really doing was watering that seed. And I'm here today because someone answered this call. I look at Drew, and I love it because I never, I didn't know who Drew was, but he's here worshiping because Frank invited him. This is our cycle. It, it's, it is an obligation. It is a responsibility that we get to have. And I say get to have because that's so important because it's not this chore like, oh, I got to go share the word today. I got to go tell people. No, no, no. It's this joy that we get. And I, in Corinthians 9 through, through 19 through 23, it says, I think th this is Paul, and he says, even though I am free from the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant. Hang on to that word servant because we're going to come back to that. To any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Why, Paul? Why are you reaching the religious, the non-religious, the meticulous, the moralist, the loose living, uh, immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever? I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearing into Christ but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Why? I've become just about every sort of servant. Why, Paul? There is in my, it, there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-safe life. Why? I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. See, Paul understood that this was not just his duty. In fact, in another scripture, he says, I'm compelled to do this. I'm doomed if I don't. He did not just see it as an obligation. He understood that, but he wanted to be in on this, that in the very sharing of the work, there is a joy that comes over you. I've seen best friends baptized, and the joy that I feel when I've seen my best friends baptized, the joy that I feel when, when someone places their faith in Jesus, it, it reminds me of me. And I think you, you, you can go back to that time when you first said it. And I look at that person and, man, this is so much more than an obligation. That, that's the point right now, the, the next point actually, that preaching the gospel is not just an obligation, it is an opportunity. We get to be in on this. I love that God didn't just go, I'm going to come die, and I'm going to do the thing you can't do, and then I'm going to go talk about how I died. I'm going to let you talk about it. I'm going to let you spread this to the nation so you can be in on fulfilling what was written. We have this opportunity, church. Oh, man, in, in Acts 20, this is how deep this opportunity goes. Every time I read Paul, I'm like, oh, man, I'm not a real Christian. He's like, he's, he's so epic. Him and Erwin McManus. When I hear Erwin McManus, I'm like, I'm not the real deal. Uh, when they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived <clears throat> the whole time with you from the day I came into the province of Asia? cliffhanger. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing, 
by the plots of my Jewish opponents, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. Fast forward to verse 23, and I only know, uh, verse 22, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that in prison and hardships are facing me. However, this is the row that verse, this is the verse that Roe says, if you ever got a tattoo, this would be it. <laughs> but it's such a good verse. Please pay attention to this. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying the good news of God's grace. I want to be at a place where I see testifying God's grace as such an opportunity that my life compared to it is worth nothing. Paul looked at his life. Thank you, one person. Amen. <laughs> Paul looked at his life and said, nah, prison's awaiting me, but, ah, well, hardships are there, but. I got to finish this race. I need to be in on this. I need to testify the good news of what Jesus has done. This life transform transforming thing, this life altering thing, it needs to get there. I need to fulfill my part. He didn't see his obligation as an obligation. He saw it as an opportunity. <laughs> my hope is that we will all be a church that when we see someone hurting, someone broken, when we see, we see them, we see people as opportunities to change their life. We see people and we see who they could be. We see the worshiper that they will one day be. We see the, the preacher that they will one day be. They, we see the, the greeter, the, the person who is so in love with God that, that they are unfazed, that when people come to you and they say, I have problems, you can say, I have an answer. That this will be such a joyous thing for you, for us. I'm on this too. Uh, real secret. The real reason I'm preaching this is because I need to hear it too. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I need to catch this. I've walked past too many people and not given them a second thought. I've ignored too many people who need you. And the fact of the matter is more than, ooh, if they don't accept Jesus, they might go to hell. More than that, they're going to live life without him. And I just, I don't know where I would be without him. And I don't know how I could let someone continue living that way. So I need to get this. And, and, and this is where I am. You see, many times, the reason I'll actually not say something is sometimes I just don't think I'm, I'm good enough, right? Like, I'm like, not, not even like, I just, I just, I don't know enough books of the Bible type stuff. Like, oh, what if they answer, ask a question that I don't know? But the reality is, is, if we waited to be perfect before we could start serving, well, we just never serve. That, that's what his whole, that's what him doing his part was to begin with. We couldn't do any of this on our own, so he came to allow us. In Romans 3, 22 through 23, it says this, the righteousness, righteousness is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. How do you get righteous? You believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God, 
And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You know what I love about this? He, like the two things are like it's too bad news. Like you sinned, you fall short. And the last thing is good news, but he doesn't do a but. Like it's just like the facts of life. Like here are the facts of life. A, all humanity has sinned. You've all made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. Here's B, we all fall short. There's no one here perfect. We all fall short of the glory in God. And here's another fact. You're redeemed and justified through Jesus. You don't have to wait to be perfect. You just have to believe in the one who is perfect. I love, I love Ronnie. I think everybody who knows Ronnie loves Ronnie. See, Ronnie, you're loved. What I, what I love about my relationship with Ronnie is I've been able to witness him, witness I've been able to witness him evangelize and, and share this message. And what's cool about Ronnie is he's from Florida, so he talks kind of funny. <laughs> he stutters a little. And I've seen him in the midst of, of, of talking to someone, stuttering, and not saying the most eloquent things, not breaking down to someone theologically on why this person can believe uh, in Jesus, but really just loving on the person. And I've seen a conversation that started with, Nah, man, don't come to me with Jesus because I hate God. I've seen that conversation end with Ronnie praying over this man. And we don't know what happened. He could have not received it as much as I didn't receive it when I was prayed for. But we don't know what seed was deposited. And what I love about Ronnie is Ronnie doesn't let the fact that Ronnie talks funny. He's probably thinking, I talk funny? He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't let the fact that he, he may not know all the answers stop him because what he does know is the love of God and he relies on that. There's this text in the Bible. This, they're questioning this guy who was blind. They're, they're trying to get answers for him. They're like, Kanye, they're like, you don't got all the answers. How does it go? Houseway. Anyway. And the guy's like, listen, man. This is what I know. I know I was blind, and now I see. I know I was an atheist, and now I believe. I know I was a drug dealer, but now I worship the Lord. I know what I was, and what God took me from, and I know where I am. That's what I know. That's all you need to know. You don't, you don't have to focus on perfection before you serve God. What you have to focus on is being a servant to a perfect God. See, in Matthew 23, he says, do you want to stand out? Then step down. Be a servant. If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. You want to be perfect. You want to be great. But this is what he says. Simply be yourself, and your life will come for plenty. Can we have a church that's, that's willing to be themselves and testify to others and say, I want to hear an evangelistic message that's like, Hey man, I don't have it all together. If you saw me last week, I was a mess. But let's go get cleaned up together. I actually know the guy who can clean the both of us. My prayer is for this church is that years from now, when we have like five minutes, there will be go there, but I know somebody who, who I didn't even know them at the time, but they saw me this one time, and they spread
that church, but someone from that church saved me. Every seat that is here is, I'm here because someone kept knocking. For three years, someone kept texting. Someone kept calling. Because, because we know that we have to be in on this. This is not a responsibility. This is not a chore. This is an opportunity to take part in what God is doing in humanity. Can we be a church that spreads this good news, what Jesus has done, to all nations? You guys can get up on your feet. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.